All right. Welcome to Paranormal, the new normal. We are back once again to go into the fray. And this week, our guest, which I am very, very excited about, as she is an author and she wrote an amazing book, which I have read cover to cover, and I cannot wait to talk to her about it. This week's guest is Brandy Alexander, author of Genesis, a paranormal alliance destined to fight the powers of darkness. And yes, I had to have that subtitle in front of me because I would never remember it. But <laughs> it took me a little while to remember it too, to tell you the truth. I kept stumbling over it every time I say it. But Brandy, uh, well, glad to have you here. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Hi, I am so glad to be here, and thank you, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Brandy Alexander, and uh, I am uh, the author of Genesis. Uh, I am from Texas. I'm born and raised, so yes, definitely a Texas girl. A very avid reader my entire life, uh, and just finally made my dreams come true one day. Just decided I was tired of putting it off for later and something I might do one day. And I just decided to make it happen. Uh, so uh, I live with my husband and my son and uh, I teach school, which I absolutely love. I love kids, I love teaching. I get to do the fun stuff, the art and the theater, a uh, little bit of everything, very hectic, but absolutely so worth it. Uh, but I just finally reached a point in my life where I thought I want to do what I've always wanted to do, make my ultimate dream come true. And that was to publish my first novel. So I made that happen. And I am so excited to tell everybody about it. Well, I'm excited to have you here. And yes, I could definitely tell you from Texas that accent's a dead giveaway, which I was going to ask you where it's from, but I don't have to do that now. So that's a good thing. Uh, when I'm tired, it gets worse. Uh, I drop it a lot because of theater, you have to learn how to speak without an accent. But then when I get tired at the end of a long day, like today, I start coming out just a little bit stronger and you start hearing my hick. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a hick, but <laughs> let's, but, but that's I don't, what it feels like. yeah, I'm sure. But why don't we uh, let you give the listeners a little preview or a summary of your book as as much as you like to say. And then after you're done with that, I'll get into my glorious review of it. All right. Uh, well, I uh, have this, this very exciting, very thrilling, uh, very epic save the world kind of story. I guarantee you it will be the most unique story you've read in a long time. And that uh, it's going to keep you guessing all the way to the very end of the book. A lot of surprises. And, uh, uh, and I feel like it just really gives you what you're looking for when you want something that makes you feel good at the end. You know, that, that just hurrah moment. Um, it's about a guy who can see the spirit world. Uh, and he's grown up with his brother who happens to be ghost. And along the way, he's collected a couple other ghost friends and they live together. And they're sort of the comic relief of the book. Uh, very wise cracking kind of guys. And uh, I've really come to love my characters. And uh, anyway, as he's going about life, he's become a detective with the help of his brother and his friends. Uh, they can sort of give him an edge. And he ends up finding out that there are some demons as well. And as he begins to research the demons, he realizes that they are escaping hell and up to no good. And he's got to figure out why, what's going on, how they're getting out, what they're after. And of course, eventually save the day. And along the way, there are some angels I've thrown in. And uh, it's just sort of an inspirational thrill ride all the way to the end, completely fictional. But uh, it's hard to write about angels and ghosts and demons without your own faith seeking So uh, it's just sort of one of those books that uh, you can enjoy no matter who you are, no matter what age you are. And I think 
really, really get into it. Sort of one of those engrossing books where you don't want to put it down. <laughs> yes, I, I 100% agree. And I actually have listeners, I read this book over the span of a month. It took me a month because with kids and everything else, I can't read like I used to. In the old days, I would have finished this book within less than a week. But I mean, I would just power through it in a night, maybe even back in the day, but like I did back in the good old Harry Potter days. But, and yes, I did finish a Harry Potter book in one night, and that was one hell of a feat to do. I don't think I went to sleep till like four in the morning. But, <laughs> but yes, this book is incredible. I mean, as soon as I read the first four or five chapters, I started getting memories of reading the Vampire Academy series the inheritance cycle or the Aragon books, as people may call them, Harry Potter. I mean, just all, all my favorite fancy novels. I mean, I even got, I mean, I even got like dead zone feelings from this. Like that's kind of where I was going when I first started reading. It was like, I, was, I just read Stephen King's dead zone like a couple of years ago. And I kind of was going to that or wait a minute. I had the right name I for can, that. I, yeah. I can see the comparisons. Definitely. I mean, but, but it definitely differs from Dead Zone in a lot of different ways, which is a great thing. Because, I mean, that was a good story, but you want to have your own spin on things, of course. And as, as an agnostic person who does not believe in any religion 100%, I believe in a lot of religions, just none of them 100%, because I yet to see the proof, which I wish that some of the things that happened in this book would happen to me, so I could see the proof if there is there, if it is out there. But, I mean, I just, as an agnostic, I enjoyed this book thoroughly. and. Yeah. Even at first, I thought I was a little, at first, I mean, I never hesitated, but I thought for a second, like, uh, is this going to be way too Christian for me? And I was like, nope, not at all. Just a good, good adventure, adventure book right in the fantasy world. That's perfect. And I mean, it could even, it's not even fantasy because you know, I can honestly see something like this happening in real life. This may happen somewhere in the world. Who knows? I took the concept of what if, could it happen? And then I turned it into, you know, this is my imagination of if it were true and if it does happen, this is what it could be like. Um, you know, and, and as much as somebody who does have faith in God could enjoy this and I think completely connect, at the same time, you have to have faith in something, whether it's a higher power, faith in your friends, faith in yourself, faith that the world is going to keep turning. You know, you have to have that. And so I think no matter who you are, no matter what religion you are from, either you can still make connections with what's happening in the book and with the characters. I mean, yeah, I mean, and we all need that faith. The world's going to keep turning, especially nowadays with uh, Russia. But I mean, I, I believe they yeah. just I believe they just said in the news the other day that Putin said the next step is going to be nukes. And I'm sure yeah, our, the world's gone crazy. I'm sure our government would never let that go to that level. I would hope at least, because that would be the downfall of us all, truly. And therefore our faith comes in. Do we have faith <laughs> that, you know, that they'll make the right choices? Yeah, we can only hope. I mean, I, eh, I'm i not going to get into the president stuff because that's just not what this right. podcast is. That's, that's the, a whole different pro uh, program, different podcast. Yeah, that's a different podcast that I never going to start because I don't need to be on a government watch list. But, <laughs> but I mean, the, the main character in this book, Clay, I just, he, I can identify with him so much. Like he just, he acts the way in the book that I would act in real life. He, his thought process is very similar to mine. Like I just, I love the main character of Clay. I like that. I like Garrett, the priest in the book. I like him. I like that. He's not like a tight, like a. I want him to priest. be personal. You know, he's just, he's a guy. He happens to be a priest. He's dedicated his life to God, but he's still a guy. He's the guy he, the kid he grew up with. 
you know, and no matter what, that's who he still is. I mean, it reminded me of my pastor from when I was a kid. Shout out to Pastor Dave Brechter. If you ever hear this, I, I doubt you will, but we'll never, who, who knows? But, yes. but he was, he, he was the second pastor I had as a kid and he came to church new and he was a great guy. He was loose. I mean, he came to my house with his son to watch wrestling pay-per-views back in the nineties. So. Oh yes. Oh yeah. I remember I loved, loved glow was my favorite, of course, cause I was the girl and I had to watch glow. I, I never watched glow yet. I have yet to see it. I've wanted to watch it cause it's Mark Maron and I love Mark Maron. He's what wanted me to get into each one of the people that want, want to make me be a podcaster to begin with, but, but I do love I'm that. I'm a show. child of the eighties though. I'm a child of, from back that time. So I grew up watching it. Yeah, I grew up watching WWF for many, many years, and it's a fond part of my childhood. But, but yeah, the Garrett, the priest in the book, is just an, a good character. He's very relatable. I mean, if all the priests in the world were like him, it'd be a better place. But I, I love him. I really, I love all my characters. They each have their own personality and their own quirks and their own stories. And truthfully, a lot of the stuff that I tell in the book, a lot of the little quirks and stories, those come from my own life. A lot of that does. I base it on things that people I know or things that I've done. So the book was just incredible. I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm a supernatural fan and a fan of all shows like that. So anything that has to do with like demons versus like humans is always like an interesting topic to me. I, I mean, I truly believe, I truly do believe in demons. I believe in demons more than I believe that there's angels, but that doesn't make sense because if there's bad, there's got to be good. Like yin and yang has to exist in this world. So I don't, I mean, that's just me. I mean, there may be angels out there. I don't know. I've heard stories of things that have happened that are just, like I can't think of anything else that would do that. Unexplainable things that, you know, what else can it be? And and I, I think part of it's the human part we want to hope we want to believe and so when we can't explain it we give it a reason uh by writing it the way i did i just wanted to kind of show like i said those who believe that there are angels out there how would they interact with us what would their job be as angels you know and i in genesis you get to see the little things that they do those little mysterious ways that play out in the long run you don't know why things happen at first and then later on you realize the why you know sometimes you don't find out at all but i wanted to show how they interact with us how they create the future you know uh they they don't know what's going to happen and god knows what's going to happen the where everyone needs to be and what the future holds so i believe that the, the angels in the book are sort of our connection to that to show how god would work with us what what kind of jobs would he send them out to do and so I had fun including them into the book. Yeah, I mean, I can only hope in, well, we'll get to what I hope in a little while, but when we get to the, because I have a question that's going to lead to a lot of other questions for me eventually, but but yes, the angels were a good ad. And I mean, I if you didn't mention those in your summary, I wasn't even going to bring them up because I thought that'd be a good surprise for the book that they're in there, but oh well. Well, they're mentioned on the back. I do mention them on the, on the oh, summary. Okay, okay. Yeah, they're there. Because, I mean, I, I didn't read the back. I just jumped right into the book. <laughs> and I'm happy I did. Just like, I'm sure Clay was happy at the end that he did fall into that ice in the beginning of the book. And that just led to the whole thing happening. And I'm sure that, I'm sure he was very happy he jumped into that. But, I mean, just, and the ghosts are freaking, oh my God, hilarious. I mean, I love Tex. I love Buzz. 
Everyone always says his name first. Tex. Every, he's everyone's. He's my favorite. I have so much fun writing Tex. Who doesn't like a cowboy? I mean, come on. We we grew up yeah. playing cowboys and in Indians or cowboys and Native Americans to be PC. Good old cowboy who has more fun being dead than anybody ever could possibly dream of. And Ooh, I don't know about that. No, yeah. <laughs> and I love leaving that we don't exactly know where when he was from we know he was around the you know beginning of texas becoming a state but it's always been this, this mysterious thing and um i may throw some hints in in future books uh this is going to be a whole series and uh i think the more we read about him the more we'll get to know about him all right well i just took away two of my questions but i'm happy you said that because <laughs> yes i was at, i was going to ask you eventually once i asked you if there's going to be sequels which i already knew the answer to that but i wanted to make sure our listeners heard it but yeah, I was gonna. That was gonna be one of my questions: Is does Texas back? Do we actually find out who he is eventually, and is he possibly gonna be a famous cowboy that we would all know by name? Um, I don't think you would know him by name, but there, he does have a backstory. There's a reason why he's still here. Uh, this I've already written the sequel. It's done. It's in the editing phase, so it'll probably take a little while. That's a long process, but it is complete. And I'm actually now working on the outline for the third book. I know what it's going to be about, so I've got to start getting it put together. I try to spend my summers writing if I get a chance and. Since I teach, it's the best time of the year for me to get a lot done really quickly. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I hope is that eventually you throw in a angel named Castiel just as a little <laughs> nod. <laughs> uh, well, they believe it or not, in the sequel, they uh, dive into the TV series uh, Supernatural. And they, they, they use a little bit of of what they've learned on that show in the sequel that they um they're trying to when, when they're trying to figure out the big plan to take down the bad guy somebody starts to remember well you know what worked oh. for them and I, oh. I i do throw some of that in there yes oh, you just made me the happiest fucking man or but, <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i mean on the other podcast i'm on bracket bastards i love supernatural and the, one of our ladies on the show, Jess, she loves Supernatural as well. So I'm always sending memes to the, to our our messenger group, and she's always dying laughing at them, or she sends them, and vice versa. It's just oh, I'm a huge fan. I mean, I go back to days of Buffy and Angel, and heck, even before that, there was a, a vampire show on called Kingdom oh. that I used to watch. And oh, Kingdom, yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, that, from Ghost Whisperer, anything that came out that had to do with the supernatural, that was all me. I, I feel like when I read show, uh, books or when I watch TV, I don't want to see something that I live every day. That's kind of normal. I want to read something that's going to thrill me, use my imagination, and that's where I get my enjoyment from. So almost everything I read or watch, for the most part, is very, uh, of some sort, dealing with paranormal. Yeah, I mean, I. I mean, I've read so many paranormal series in the past. I mean, going back to freaking Goosebumps as a kid, even. But yeah, I, I mean, well, okay, yeah, Goosebumps too, I guess. But I meant to say Animorphs. <laughs> but, right. but I mean, <laughs> I mean, this 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 book that you that you wrote just reminds me of. It has elements of Vampire Academy series in it, somewhat. I mean, with the amount of friends and everything. <coughs> There's even some Harry. Like I was thinking of the ghosts into the Harry Potter and like Hogwarts and Harry Potter when I was reading this book too, like just because they have the same comedic elements as some of them. But it's just I. 
I probably draw inspiration from all these sources, you know, all the different shows I've watched. And uh, I'll even, you know, watch a lot of like the detectives uh, shows on television. And my husband's like, why are you taking notes? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I can use ideas and plots and twists. And, you know, if you pay attention to the pattern in which things are revealed, you know, it just, I guess I've read so much in my lifetime and seen so many movies that it just inspires me. Uh, as I was writing, I actually used the idea, uh, the first fight scene, for example, when they have the big battle, uh, I tried to approach it like a camera, like you were looking at it from the lens of a camera and you were watching the room and all the fighting that was happening simultaneously. Uh, so often when I read a book, I get lost in the fight scenes. I don't know what's happening because the writer has too many things happening all at once. And I really wanted to the fight scene to be happening at the same time oh yeah uh so you know when i watch shows no matter what it is whether 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 it's a supernatural type show or whether it's a detective type show i'm always taking notes because i'm always learning from that and i think that's what's actually helped me become a better writer over time is the more you read the more you watch the more you experience the better your writing becomes uh, when I was young, you know, I'd only read very linear storylines and it wasn't until I would think I was in junior high when I picked up my first book that took different storylines, different people, different uh, points of view and would mix it up. You know, you would read about somebody until they got to a certain point and then it would just stop and it would pick up with somebody else. And I had never read a book like that. And it was so exciting to find something that was formatted like that. I think that was the first time that this made me want to write something just the same. I can remember walking down the school hallway with a book in my nose. I mean, they're not even looking where I'm going, trying to get from class to class because I wanted to read as much as I could between bells. And that, I wanted to do that one day. I wanted to write something that would have other people feeling that same way, that completely enthralled by the story and you don't want to put it down and you can't wait to see what's going to happen. And that was what I was, I think, trying to accomplish. That was my dream. Yeah, and I believe you truly did accomplish that because this book is just, I couldn't put it down. Like, there are times I wanted to go do things when I was reading it, or when uh, most of the beginning of reading it, I was off from work because of my surgery, and I was just in the backyard with my kid, like, letting her play outside while I sat, sat there reading. And anytime she, I had to get up and go help her or something or she started crying and I had to go help her I actually got a little mad because I had to put down the book and stop reading I'm like god come on like, yeah. very but I mean it's just such a good book and I mean oh so and I wondered if you feel like the more you read the faster pace it got and the closer to the end the more it picked up and I wanted the reader's heart to race along with that story the the closer and closer you got to the conclusion yeah, I mean, it, I definitely felt that when I was reading it, that like, as, towards the end, like, as I told you earlier, I read the last 30% of the book, which you said the book is around 400 pages, I believe? Yes, sir. Absolutely. So I probably read the last 70, 80 pages of it in three hours, and it just, like, I, I of course, I had to get up a few times and deal with kids and whatnot, but I just... It, I had to keep going and like my girlfriend's like you're going to come to bed I'm like I can't I have to finish this book I have to I need <laughs> to see how this ends I need to play it out oh you just totally made my day that is so awesome and the book is just I was going for <laughs> yeah I mean like all good books like like the great Stephen King does a lot of his like towards the end when it just climaxes and it gets a it just get it's so good to read it it's just 
And I wanted to like even give in little tiny surprises that you weren't expecting all the way up until the very last page. Like it just, even once the climax was over and you've had the thrill ride, I didn't want it to be completely over. You know, I wanted a few more of those twists and turns right there at the very end. So uh, I, I don't know. I just had so much fun writing it. It felt, felt easy for lack of a better word. And I shouldn't say that about writing a book. That sounds crazy, but I just had such fun writing it. I loved the characters and I loved the story and I would just let it completely take me away. I'd write, you know, 10 pages a day on average, I think. Uh, so I finished it in less than a couple months. You know, I took a few days here and there where I'd take a break, but it was, it was really enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, I think it should be easy to write a book. If it's something you're really passionate about, it should be so easy to write a book which I mean, yeah. I, I tried my hand at it in high school a little bit. I mean, I started writing a, well, it was a kind of a book, but it was like, a, I, it, was for, it was for a project. And I just went way over like what they wanted oh, to yeah. do even. Like it, it was like a Macbeth meets Star Wars type thing, <laughs> which basically is Star Wars. But I mean, I just put Star my own- Star Wars is actually the same story as many, many, many other stories in the past. If you course. sat down and break it down, yes. Because it's the good of good versus evil, you know, the triumph of one over the other. And that is such a classic. Everybody wants to win, the, the good guy to win. And Oh, I mean, uh, as someone who likes- the, Deep the, down, we want to feel good. I mean, as someone who liked the prequels, I kind of was rooting for the bad guys towards the end of that. But I mean- Well, you, you got to have good bad guys. If you don't have good bad guys- you want somebody to hate the bad guy. You know, when you have invent your protagonist, your antagonist, I don't think that it's as enjoyable if you don't truly just loathe that bad guy and you want to see him go down and you want, you know, you want to be triumphant. I mean, and yes, you, I, I agree with that. And you definitely, you definitely played into that with the, with the relationship between the different demons in the book. I mean, I just, hated the main one so bad because of the way they treated the like the lesser demons and it was just right. i mean it's a very it was a very good uh like symbiotic relationship there and it was just oof like it just made I had it... fun riding the demons because they're so dark and creepy and it really gives me a chance to break out all those descriptive words i had a friend that was reading the book and she said that she was where the part uh, very first time that you see the demons uh, in mass and while she was reading that scene, her cat was under her bed making noise and it scared her really bad because she was right in the middle of the, the creepy part, she said, and all of a sudden she hears clicking noises underneath the bed and it just completely gave her chills and she had to throw the cat out of the room. Uh, but I said, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> That's what I was going for. Yeah, I mean, if it, I mean, it's not even meant to be a horror book, but if it, throw, if it throws yeah. in, if it throws in some of those classic horror book elements where you actually are looking around, I mean, that's like every time somebody asks me, "What is your genre?" I'm like, "Well, it kind of covers almost every fictional genre out there. It's even yeah. got a touch of love, a teeny tiny touch of love. You know, it's it's got everything in there for you, whether you like mystery or uh, thrillers or." detectives or paranormal or christian storylines or you know but no matter what it is i tried to put just a little bit of something in there for everybody so sometimes it's hard to narrow it down when i have to fill out paperwork and they ask you you know what is your genre paranormal fiction is what i go with because it covers it best but truthfully i fit in so many categories 
Yes, I mean it's you. I mean, I could see you in horror. I could see you in fantasy. I can see you in sci-fi to a little bit. I mean, because I mean, the Bible is the original science fiction to a lot of people. I mean, even if whether you believe a lot that, of people or, consider angels and demons and spirits to be science fiction. So, uh, and sometimes it's a point of view. You know, if you whether you believe or you don't believe, falls in different categories. I mean, and I don't even like the term science fiction because a lot of stuff in science fiction that's written about. I believe in so it just isn't mm-hmm. proved science, so they can't call it science fiction from uh, from eighty years ago or fifty years ago is now science. I mean, oh. we've proven and changed and and done things. So yeah, it's always morphing. Science fiction is quite often based on the possibility of it being real. Yep, and I mean, except for uh, the exception of the Jetsons, there because we still don't got the flying cars, but. That, well, I really want to run outside on a treadmill with nothing underneath me. That used to freak me out as a kid. Yeah, that was always like a little weird. <laughs> that just doesn't seem like it makes like like good idea for anybody. No, I mean I could see that being a destiny, a final destination <laughs> Jetsons edition, but yeah. but I mean the book is just phenomenal. I mean everything about it. I mean it could be in so many categories, and you said it already. There's a sequel written and more coming. Yes. And, I could yeah, see it picks up about a, about a year later and it just continues right on into their lives. Everybody's in it and we pick up new characters and I actually introduced the idea of uh, witches and Wicca and how that interplays into the spiritual world. Oh, yeah. I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit with the satanic uh, ritual in the first book, but I mean... You can go further. You get to know more about that satanic group uh, in the sequel. Yeah, which I mean... I damn. I, I have certain things I want to say, but I don't want to say because I do not want to give away like the last half of the book in any way that's definite because I want the listeners to be able to enjoy this book when they hear about it and just want to pick it up and read it because it's a phenomenal book. And I mean, I will be looking forward to all the future books in it and I will be interviewing you after every one of you allow me because I would. Oh, I would love to. Absolutely. But I yeah. Mean, um, now, writing this book, uh, it was. Uh, the inspiration for this book, if it from my, it was actually from my son. It came from real life. Uh, whenever he was, my son's now 19 years old, so you know it's been a while. But believe it or not, the concept for this book started when he was very, very young. Uh, my father had passed away about a year before he was born, and when he was around one and a half, two years old, one day, my mother was holding him and showing him pictures on the wall and looking at all our different family members, and she pointed out my father and called him Papa, and he stopped her and corrected her and told her, no, 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 that's Pop Pop. And she tried to correct him again. He said, no, that's Pop Pop. And we asked him why he would want to call him that or what, why he said that. And he says, well, because he told me that's his name. And uh, it was very chilling because he used to sit there and talk to nobody. And it wouldn't just be a one-sided uh, conversation. I mean, he would look up and respond and laugh and hold his toy up into the air like he was showing it to somebody. And uh, we saw that for several years, and but it wasn't until he corrected my mother and told him, told her who was in that picture, that it really started my mind thinking, what would it be like to talk to our loved ones, to be able to see them, for them to stick around, or to be able to come back and visit at will. 
And um, that's where the concepts first emerged from. And then from there, I tried to think what hasn't been done yet? What kind of storylines have I not read out of all the thousands of books I've read? And uh, I tried to figure out something that I thought would be unique and different and keep those pages turning because you really want to see what's going to happen because you don't truly know. Yeah, you don't. And I mean, that's actually another thing I loved about the book is that Clay's brother's name is Wayne. And that was my father's name. And my dad. That's my father's name. Oh, shit. I mean. Yes, geez. Michael Wayne. Uh, half his family calls him Michael, half his family calls him Wayne. And uh, I, I named him after my father. Yeah, I mean, my, well, my dad's first name was Wayne, but, but he, like, he died back in 2017. And, like, the whole, like, every time I heard his name in the book, I just kept thinking, like, how great it would be to actually be able to talk to him again and, like, have him just follow me around for parts of my days, at least, and, like, give me advice and, just hearing his hilarious commentary on people in the world and like just to seeing introduce the- him to your kids to enter to show him what you've done in life and to tell him stories and yeah yeah i mean it'd be it'd be amazing but unfortunately that uh, he hasn't shown to me yet and i well i mean he was cremated so if you go by supernatural lore he, he can't anyway but that's supernatural lore doesn't mean it's real but that's kind of funny. My father's cremated as well. I have him actually here. Uh, and uh, the fact that Wayne was your father's name and that was my father's name and everyone called him Michael Wayne. And so I just, I wanted to name his, the, the character Wayne after him because, you know, in the book, he's sort of the, um, I don't want to say he's conscious, but he's always there. He's always there to help him, his protector, his, uh, his brother, you know, he sticks around to be with his brother and, they end up having this amazing relationship, even though he'd passed on. So I, I think that was just a little bit of my own hopes and dreams of what I imagine, you know, if my father's there, he's looking after me. And I wanted him to sort of be named after him for that reason. Yeah, I, I'm seriously hoping you do some flashbacks or maybe some other future parts of him walking in the room at times that are not exactly the good time to walk in the room. Yeah, uh, in this, I think it's the sequel. Yeah, the sequel. You find out that in order for them to knock on a door, they have to stick their hands to the door and clap on the other <laughs> side because I think I have no other way to to announce that they need to come in. That is priceless. I and, and that and I have a feeling that's going to lead exactly what I'm hoping it'll lead to, which is going to be hilarious. But I, mm, I love how I swear to God, it's like our, it's like you. It's like I read your mind or something, and I already know all this stuff that I'm asking, but I just want to ask it anyway when I really don't know anything about it. the sequels. But, I mean, it's... Do you introduce any other kind of supernatural creature into the series eventually? Like, poss- I mean, I don't see how they would fit in, but maybe... Actually, there are some. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, because, I mean, I could see, and we're going to get all in this later, in the creature feature later, we'll get into more of this, I'm sure, but I could see Mothman making an appearance because he's supposed to be an angel. He's supposed to, or, or, or actually, he could be a demon too, people think, because he's supposed to be a forsayer of doom. I, uh, like I said, in the sequel, I have introduced some witches, and um, I've taken some of the, in the first book, there is a group of Satanists, of course, and I'm, without giving too much away, they play a part in what is happening in the, in the first book. And so by the time you get to the second book, I've sort of taken that same 
group essentially, and I'm going a little bit further with it, showing sort of their side of what was happening. And in so doing, I'm also introducing some good guy witches, uh, Wiccans, and, uh, and some of them have powers, some of them, uh, and it'll all be explained, you know, in the book. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, I try to show that you know, if this were real, if this were a uh, not fiction, but but a legitimate uh, power that people have, how would that interplay with the idea that, you know, God is real and that there are angels and then you know, all this. So I, I mix the two together. As a matter of fact, there's an entire conversation in the sequel between uh, Father Garrett, the priest, and the head witch. And they're talking about how it works and, and what makes one and, and how you know to how you create whatever powers, you know, whatever you're going for with, with what you've learned. Um, for example, I think he explains that when you are a, um, when you're praying to God, if you were a mute and you could not speak, you could still pray. So the fact that somebody is a witch in the book, they are still able to, um, create uh, specific things with their with their spells. I, I didn't want to go crazy. It's not like the kind of spell you could, you know, cast a spell and make things fly across the room. I don't know. It, it's not that kind of thing, but they're the type of spells that you might, uh, that which might learn to use. But anyway, I just, I am going to introduce different characters. I try to tie them into what would it be like if they were real in our world? How would that work? Um, and then, and by the time you get to the third book, the one I'm planning now, I even introduce another character, but I'm not gonna say who or what that is because that would be a giveaway for what's gonna happen in the book. Oh yeah, don't so, give it away. Yes, but I will be introducing another supernatural type of character as well. Interesting, I mean, it'd be, I mean, it'd be even more interesting in the future at some point, and this may be an idea you even want to use, which I won't charge you for, but um, it'd be interesting if he met a group of people who are like him and can talk to ghosts, and he, if he meets like a society that exists that he doesn't know exists. There are some ideas that are very close to what you're saying for some future books. Um, and he does meet some other people that are mediums like him. Uh, even in the sequel, there's some others. So, yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Oh, and yeah. Of course, you know how the first book ends. And so that, uh, that's a big twist in itself when it comes to people who can speak to the ghosts and see the spirit world besides them. Didn't even think about that being a possibility, but I'm not going to say why because I don't want to ruin the ending. But, right, right. but I, yeah. It's, it's hard to talk about the book because there's so many surprises and, and they're riddled all throughout the book. So when you start talking about one thing, it's easy to give away something else that you don't want to give away. Well, when, when we talk about your second book in the future, then I could allude to some of the stuff in the first book because by then it'll be out long right. enough that I don't feel bad about giving spoilers. Oh yeah, by then we can talk about it. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I would love to see even like aliens playing someday to this. I don't know how. That's the thing is, I don't know how they'd play in unless, unless you. You're actually... the second person to say that because uh, the scene in the first book where you meet some of those kids that are going out to, to be, you know, look look for aliens. Now, of course, they're just happen to be in the right place at the right time kind of a moment but uh when i mentioned that somebody else had told me that'd be really cool if they saw something 
while they were out there. I was like, well, it kind of takes my book in a whole different direction than I'm going with it. But uh, it's kind of funny that you said that. Yeah, I mean, I just mean, you could always play into the whole thing of that aliens original. There's theories that aliens that people have seen are maybe angels and demons, and maybe the greys are the angels and the reptilians are the demons. Like, who knows? Like, I mean, so many different theories out there. Oh yeah, we'll get more into those later, but I'm I'm sure of that. But I just like that's that's the one way I can see you going with it. But other than that, I mean, I'm sure there's a thousand ways to bring aliens into this at some point. I don't know your future plans of the books series, so I don't know where it even could go at this point. I'm just looking forward right to now, finding I'm out. Sticking, uh, I'm gonna try to keep it as close to what if this were possible, you know, kind of a question. Yeah. And so, uh, like you know, I wouldn't bring in werewolves and vampires as much as I love <laughs> reading about them. They are some of my favorite. I, I get, I got really upset when vampire books became a, a thing, a, a trend. And I was like, no, man, I've been into vampire books for like 15 years mm -hmm. before that was popular. So then I started to like, everyone would be like, oh, you're into vampires too. And I'm like, no, I was already into that long before the trend came along. So don't judge me. Uh, but because uh, people who just hop on those little trends here and there. But mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I'm going to try to stay away from some of the more... Uh, crazy supernatural ideas and try to stick a little bit with more you know if this were real if this were really happening how would this work in our lives yeah i mean we'll get we'll get more into that with the, when we do the creature feature because i'm sure i'm gonna be picking ones off my list that i could see possibly being in your book and i may discuss ways they could be i definitely could see it i mean we're gonna see more of the police chief i'm sure in the second book because he, he kind of seemed to drop off after the first half of the book uh, yeah, he comes and goes. Uh, he does appear again in the second book, but I think he'll have a heavier role in the third book, actually. He's going to uh, he, he's gonna always be there. He's always one of his kind of buddies, you know, that he's uh, friends with. But uh, I would like to see the police chief become a little bit more stable character in the book. Um, I do like the fact that in the first book, you get to go back and see how he met everybody. And how they came to be in his life and a part of who who he is yeah i mean i love that too that a lot, i like when books like flash back to the past and explain how things came to be and i like the, it's it's a nice little break from the like it gives you a nice little break from the main storyline so you kind of like think of the main storyline while you're reading the past and then when you go back to the main storyline like you have it all in your head remem remembered and you're not just flying through it yes I, that, that's a stephen every King time i went I back like, flashback you learn a little something that you can apply to what's happening today as well yeah i mean it's definitely one of my better better writing techniques out there that i love to read i mean it's a huge it's a huge thing in stephen king books to jump back and forth in time and that's just yeah. one of the things that books like that i always will want to read like i said the first time i read a book that wasn't linear in its storytelling I, it was just so exciting and from that point on that's all i ever wanted to read yeah, I mean, it's similar to Harry Potter using the pensive to freaking look in the past memories of other people, which kind of along those lines, too. And it's just, it makes great storytelling technique. But the other thing that I'm hoping happens eventually is that Garrett can possibly eventually in the future find a way to see spirits himself. Uh, oh, gosh, you just stumbled onto something. But, okay, I'll give a little sneak peek into the second book uh, because this doesn't really take away from the storyline too much. It was just fun. Uh, they do have a little gift waiting on Garrett when he arrives, uh, sort of a late birthday gift, and it's some camera equipment. Uh, 
So uh, they, they've, they've started checking into, you know, now that it's so popular nowadays to go ghost hunting and go looking for things, they decided to test out some equipment and they purchased some for Garrett's birthday. So um, that, that does play into it a little bit. I've wanted him to be able to see that world himself. Yeah, I mean, it just, it would, it'd be so interesting for him to actually meet like the, the all three spirits and like, I mean, obviously he knew Wayne when they were kids, but it'd be nice for him to meet like all three spirits and like get to know, like, I'd love, to, I can't wait till he actually meets Tex and sees him and like, and actually like puts everything that, because I mean, I'm sure Clay telling him what Tex is saying is nowhere near saying the real message of what Tex is saying to him. Like, right. I just can't, I can't wait to see that, but. Yeah, right. it can get a little bit uh, hard to write whenever you've got people who can't communicate and you've got one central person who can. And so everything has to go through him. Uh, but uh, yeah, it makes it a little bit easier when they're able to actually talk to each other. Yeah, which I mean, I'm, I could just I can see this being a TV show eventually. Like I could see this series like somebody's going to want to turn into a TV show. Whether it's you keep people keep saying this that makes me laugh because oh that would be amazing i mean uh, you are uh, like the 10th person to tell me that i mean i could mm, i i mean i honestly can't even picture though who would play clay like i'd have to read the description in the beginning of the book again of what he looks like really as an adult but i mean i can't just picture i can't think like an actor doesn't come to mind for him I mean, yeah, I, I've kind of gone, through, my husband and I have talked before, and I go, okay, if we we're going to make a movie, who would we have to play these people? And so we've sat there and we've gone through and tried to pick out different people. Um, what's funny is I think in my mind, the only person that I really know that I would, like, if I could just choose anybody to play a part, um, I was trying to remember uh, Paul Rudd, who plays Ant-Man. Oh, I know who Paul Rudd is. I think everybody knows I who Paul Rudd like is. I feel like he could play Garrett. Like, I can just picture him as Garrett. He's the right face and the, the dimple and the curly dark hair. And he's the right age and temperament. I, I, I don't know. The, I see him as the possibility of that role or somebody Ooh. like him. Okay. I didn't, I never even thought of that until you said it, but I could see that in a freaking millisecond. I mean, Paul Rudd, uh -huh. one, Paul Rudd is agents. He looks the same as he did 30 years ago, for God's sake. Yes. Yeah, he does. <laughs> but I mean. I could see him playing that role. He would fit it perfectly. I mean, if we're going the movie route, I could easily see uh, Johnny Depp playing Tex. Yeah, I could see that too. That would be funny. I, it would be hilarious because I could see him doing yeah, all the aging same, up with the beard. Yep. And I, I could see, I could see him or maybe even Steve Buscemi. I could see both of them pulling off that role hilariously. Like there are a lot of them. I, we probably went through 15, 20 different people's names. Like, oh, he could be, oh, he would do good. Oh, you know, it would be funny. And we kept, you know, talking over it. And the characters are so uh real so strong. You know, they're not just sort of the guy named Bob. You know, they they're they're real and they're tangible and they each have their own look and personality and I, it's fun to think about who could play those parts because you could get some really good I actors mean, i mean even if you got maybe ryan reynolds as buzz like i could see right ryan reynolds johnny depp or steve Buscemi like going back and forth as like a very good pair together like it'd be and i could see ryan reynolds playing like the ghost of an agent who died like for the fbi and like he cracks jokes all the time and he just like and he could kick ass. That'd be the funny part is like just to see Ryan Reynolds ghost <laughs> kick ass. Uh, 
Uh, there's so many different ones that I could see in there, though. Yeah, it would be fun to, to see who they would look at for casting, like what choices they would bring up. And that would, that would be really cool. I mean, throughout, OK, I'm going to ask this because I don't think it really ruins the story, the storyline of the first book at all, if you by knowing it. But because throughout the first book, you see that Clay is go you see all the times in the past where Clay is going through trying to find like ways to control his gift. Mm -hmm. like in africa and whatnot and my question is like are you would you ever think about writing like a not like a sequel but like a i don't know the exact term for it but like a side book where it it's all it's just a story of him like in his college years trying to figure out his powers like a prequel to it kind of uh, like a prequel but kind of I yeah mean, I don't know. I, you know that might be interesting that might be kind of cool or to at least have one book in the series that goes back and shows his search you know uh those who haven't read the book yet he does spend his early years trying to find a way to get rid of this ability uh he's plagued by ghosts you know for a long time he doesn't know how to handle it uh he feels like they're dangerous you know they, they could um they could possess him at any minute and if they do then if they forget to breathe he could die so he was always just really worried and of course Wayne stuck around to protect him but he knew that one day you know he was gonna have to get past it and uh so he began to search for that and that was what set him off on his path and eventually he does find uh, what he thinks is going to be the answer he needs. And it turns out it's not exactly what he was looking for, but it was what he needed. And so, um, and, and, and as always, we see that God had his hand in this. He was, you know, his life might not have turned out like he thought it was going to, you know, his brother drowns and he himself was in a coma and then he gets these powers. But we see that it was in this book, God uses it towards a greater good you know he, he uses it for his purpose and he takes what has happened to him in his life and makes something good out of it and so we see that each of these little events that happened throughout his life that he didn't even realize were building somewhere now that we're able to see it in retrospect we know there was a cause there was a reason a purpose behind it you know when he's in africa he's talking to this little guy who lives there who believes in completely different you know doesn't believe in god our father he believes probably in the god of the mountain and god of you know because he, he's an indigenous person there and even though he had his own belief system and his own gods god the father found a way to continue to use that to his good you know and i think that does show that sometimes different religions different beliefs different people we share that that idea of faith. We all have to have faith. And that's something that we all share, that we all have in common. And uh, and that's why when I wrote this, I thought, you know, even if you weren't a Christian, if, if you were Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist or agnostic, anyone, you still have to have faith in somebody, you have to have faith in each other. And I wanted people to connect to this and to see that no matter what, that is always a theme in life. That's always something that we share as human beings yeah i mean it definitely lined up perfectly with that and i love that part i mean i if you do do a side book eventually it'd be awesome it'd be amazing to, to see that i mean i don't expect it anytime soon but someday I love that story too because you've got him garrett listening in at that point and he's just on the edge of his seat like a little kid listening to a, a good night story you know he's just wants to hear more wants to hear more 
And uh, I don't know, like I said, I have so much fun writing it because each of those stories, it, it was, I feel like everything I put in that book has a reason. It wasn't just extra narrative to fill the space. I constantly gave something to the reader that was going to move the storyline across, that was going to fill in the gaps and make you realize what's happening and why it's happening and how it's in God's hand as it happens, you know, because he's the hero of the story. All I can say is, Eric Kripke, you need to make this into a TV series on CW. That's all. Please I... listen. Yes. Call me. <laughs> Seriously. Have your I... people call my people. I would turn into that show every freaking week <laughs> in That'd a second awesome. so besides the one paranormal experience that got you that gave you the idea for this book a long time ago have you had any other paranormal experiences i i have uh actually it was probably one of my first real paranormal experiences that i felt without a doubt was happening to me i mean you've heard all these stories all your life about ghosts and angels and demons and uh aliens and all these different things but uh when i was in college i went to a, a college here in texas and we were i was a theater major and we were staying after one night and the theater building is very old uh, it's an old school and it was the theater building itself was built during the great depression and there's always been the story of somebody who passed away a teenager who was helping to build and dig the catacombs that are deep underground and he was killed in the process and so uh, everyone knows that story well uh, about a year before I went to school there they did a, uh, a play that had 12 people in the play and the, the, the play itself took place during the Great Depression well at the end of every show they take a, a shot of the cast and apparently in that photo when they got it back there are 13 people in that photo and nobody knows who that 13th person was. He's wearing clothes of that time period, very Great Depression clothes, and he's just standing in line with the rest of the people, but he was not there when they took the shot. Well, uh, this is a couple years later that my experience came in. We were staying after and we've been practicing for a scene we had coming up the next day. And um, it was probably around 10, 30, 11 o'clock and there was nobody else in the entire theater. And this is a huge building. The main stage itself is just ginormous. Uh, it has a balcony. Well, um, we were up, upstairs above the main stage in some of the classrooms. And all of a sudden we heard the piano began to play and they keep a big grand piano on center stage all the time. So we hear it playing and uh, we've been up there for a while. We were tired. So we thought we'll take a break. Let's see who's here. And we thought we were alone. So we went on down and we made all kinds of noise and walked up to the main stage doors and opened them up the back of the theater. And when we did, the theater itself is just pitch black. I mean, if you shut those doors, you cannot see your hand in front of your face. And there's this, the piano sitting on main stage, nobody at it. And the exact moment we opened those doors, it went silent. There was no noise. Uh, but we could hear the piano all the way up until that moment. We got a little freaked out, you know, started laughing, hair stands up, that kind of thing. But we went on back upstairs and blew it off and got back to work. And then about 15 minutes passes and we hear it again. So we thought, okay, someone's messing with us. And uh, we were pretty much done anyway at that point. So we gathered up our belongings and we snuck really quietly all the way around the backstage. And we were gonna go into the stage door entrances because it opens up right there on the stage next to the piano. So we sneak up there and there were three of us and we opened the door and we're like, ha! And it just, the, the music stopped immediately. We could see the piano 10 feet, 15 feet in front of us. 
and it just not a soul in sight, dead quiet. And again, if you shut that door behind us, you couldn't have seen anything. And um, yeah, that my hair stood up on the end. I was really just heebie-jeebie kind of moment. And we got out of there pretty quick. And I can tell you, I never was up there late at night by myself for sure again. Uh, it was always big companies of us from that point on. I never wanted to be up there while it was all shut down and dark. Uh, but that was just one of those moments. There was no other explanation. It wasn't a player piano. All three of us heard it going just as plain as day. You know, we were right behind that stage door. We could hear it. And it just stopped the second we opened that door. So, uh, yeah, that, that moment. And, of course, the piano, I think, is something that somebody who had been born and raised in the era of the Great Depression probably could have played. There was a lot more musical instruments played back then when you didn't have television and radio and late night to stay up, you know, reading. You, what did you do? You played uh, musical instruments. So the fact that maybe he did play and he was there. So I, it's just always been kind of cool. Yeah. Well, one or two questions about that. Um, was the which when you open the door to the stage, does the piano face with its keys facing the door or opposite direction? It's actually at an angle, uh, oh. sort of. Uh, I was coming in. It was probably like if I was facing directly at the piano, uh, instead of the keys facing me, turn them towards the right, just at a slight angle. But you know, you could see the whole the whole piano. You could see the bench, everything sitting there. But well, what I'm getting at is like. Is it, did you see any keys moving possibly like like someone was no the second we opened the door and the light hit anywhere inside the room it just went dead silent there was nothing uh right up until we opened the door though you could hear it playing loud and plain as day just like somebody was in there well i mean it's there's been a large history of ghosts and musical instruments that they could play like being involved like people have heard musical instruments playing all the time and no one is around to play them right so, I mean, I truly believe this story 100% was real because ghosts do like to live their past lives. And like you said, during the Great Depression era, a lot of people played instruments because it was a way to make money, one. And two, mm -hmm. it was just something to do back then instead of just... Right. Your mom would teach you because, hey, you've got a piano and you've got five kids and you got to learn something, you know, and she'd teach you to play at night or whatever. Yeah, it was uh, it was a really cool experience and it's something I, I teach school and I'm kids and I'll do while they're doing art, you know, in order to keep them engrossed in their art and keep them without getting distracted. Sometimes, as a matter of fact, I've got several of them. Like, Tell us a story, Miss A. And so I'll break into some kind of story and sometimes I'll we'll get into the supernatural talks like who's ever seen a ghost or who's ever heard a ghost story or watched some cool show on television. And that's always a fun one because the kids love to chime in and, and give their stories. But that's always the one I tell them. The kids love to hear it. Well, it's funny because I I actually had paranormal investigators in my house back in December, like a few weeks before Christmas, because we well, we now we, something there are strange things going on, basically. And we now believe that uh, the original builders and owners of this house, a couple, are still residing here, even though they didn't technically die here, which by a lot of lore means they couldn't. But I don't know what to believe because the, the investigators took a picture of, I felt like very cold all of a sudden in my son's bedroom. And I was standing by his door with the door shut in the room. And like all of a sudden, the, my back just had chills like crazy. And I, I, I told them that and they the one investigator took a picture of me and 
in the picture, it kind of looks like you can see like a face behind me or maybe even two. It's, oh, I mean, wow. It's, I mean. That's crazy. I mean, but it's hard to tell because they use like, they had like a light in the room that was magenta purplish. So I can't really right. tell if I'm seeing like the light, <clears throat> the light reflecting something or I don't know. It's right. just, but you never know. We were talking to that. We were, to, we, because they were using divining rods to talk to ghosts. And I mean, I don't know how well divining rods actually work or if it's just the person who's holding them, like you doing it themselves. That's some pretty cool looking stuff on television. There's been a few times they've been used and, and like they're not even being touched and they're moving, you know, so that's pretty cool. But I mean, we were asking the ghosts and everything if they liked everything I did to the house to fix it up when I bought it back in November and everything. And like, I could have sworn I heard a thank you in my ear. Like, no one else heard it. I asked after, but it was just the softest, like, thank you in my ear. And I, I just got chills, like, down my hair, standing up all the way down my back. Like, it was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, I was like, and I've always wanted to experience something in my life, but I just, I never did. And like I was just, you know, those who want to see, don't see. Like, it's those, yeah. who don't, it's those who don't want to see and don't look for it to end up seeing. Yeah, you can't control when or if it happens. You know, it's just, it's going to happen or it's not. I had a friend who swears uh, their whole family had these experiences. So I don't know. I've never been to her house. She was actually a, a friend of my sister's. But uh, they used to swear that this they would come home and laundry that they had started when they left would be done and folded. Or the uh, one time she said they unloaded a bunch of groceries from the car, put them on the table, went back out for the second load. And when they came in, all the groceries were put away. Just weird things like that. It's like, man, I'll take that ghost any day. I'm going to sure. do my laundry and do my chores. Then, yes, they can visit me and stay at my house and <laughs> give them Ser their own room. Seriously, is that the Alice from the Brave Bunch ghost or something? Like, geez. Yeah, I don't know. Whoever it was is obsessed. But they also said that sometimes they'd come home and all the chairs would be up on the table or knocked over or all the drawers and doors would be open. Things like that as well. It was never anything too menacing. It was just, you know, unusual stuff. But uh, yeah, there were times when they would come home and things would be, door, chores would be done. I always thought that was a crazy story. I don't know if that's all true or not because I never witnessed it, but their family, their whole family swore it was true. So I don't know, it was more than just one person telling the story. Yeah, that's, that's completely wild. I mean, I, I mean, if I came home and my chairs were up top of the table or like all the drawers and cabinets are open. I'm going to be freaked out beyond belief. And I'm going to be like running out the front door, like smoking a cigarette. Like what the hell just happened? Yeah, but, uh, I'm packing. I'm moving. So um, any other paranormal experiences you yourself had, or is that pretty much sum it up? Um, probably about that. I mean, there's always those moments of little things here and there where, you know, did I see something? Did I hear something? Um, moments where, you know, maybe I, I've even said hi to somebody before a stranger. And then I, I turn for a second. When I turn back, they're gone. You know, and it just always makes you wonder uh, who you're talking to, who you're, who you see, and who you don't see. So, you know, other than just little moments of things that could be, may not be, just kind of depends. Uh, I've never really experienced anything major. My son, however, I think was my the most special thing to me, though, was to because I do believe he was talking to somebody. Um, one and a half year olds don't converse with the air and show them their toys and laugh 
unless there's somebody there to converse with. And then for him to see a photo of my father and to know immediately who that was and what his name was and to tell us that, you know, he told us that's his name. Now, what do you mean? What's his name? He said it. So uh, he was too young to make that kind of thing up to even understand what he was saying. He just told us his truth. And uh, that, that just it resonated with me. And like I said, that's what really was the catalyst for me figuring out this book. I just had to figure out how I was going to play that into a unique story that nobody had read before. Yeah, I mean, like, I truly believe kids can see more than anybody else can. The whole, mm -hmm. the whole baby genius theory that when you before you hit the age where you can talk you can you have access to so many other realms and stuff i think that you can see that's why i think that's why i think it's why young kids and babies cry all the time because they can see things we can't Maybe. And, and they can't even tell us or show us what they're seeing because it's just not they're below that age and but i think once you start getting to the age where you talk and whatnot you just mm -hmm. you lose that ability when uh, my mother was young, she was in a terrible car accident and she swears that the doctor said she was unconscious the whole time, uh, but she can remember watching everything happening on the um, uh, ambulance. Uh, she can remember seeing them working on her, herself laying there, everything. Uh, but they swear that, you know, she was unconscious and there's no way she could remember that. But she says she remembers seeing it happen, watching it happen as if from above. Um, and then there was the story, our, uh, a preacher that we used to have years ago, he himself was in a near-death uh, accident. And he said that while he was unconscious, in that moment, he actually was met by somebody who claimed to be an angel. He doesn't remember what they look like, really. It's just a, a memory of it being there. And he says that during that time, he saw other spirits trapped here on earth. And he was told that he wasn't done. He was going to be waking up soon, but he was there just to, take, to be with him while you know he was in that moment. And that he could see these other spirits. And he said some seemed to just be visiting but others seem to be trapped and their hell was being trapped here on earth. And um, he said that the one he remembered was, I, I think he said, this is years ago, that uh, this, this kid had committed suicide and his hell was staying behind watching his mother grieve for him, you know, and that always kind of stuck with me too. I've, I've thought about that over the years and, you know, if there was truth to that, what that would be like, you know, who, is left here until the end of days until you know god's ready to come back and i don't know there, there's just so many different theories and conspiracies and ideas and thoughts that uh maybe there's a little bit of truth to a lot of them yeah i mean there has to be there has to be and if you ask a statistics major or a probability expert they're going to tell you that there's definitely got to be some chance of some of it being real because things don't come from nowhere and a lot of these creatures which will talk about in a few minutes actually but a lot of them a lot well now nah, we'll get there in a second but okay. I, don't, I don't like to rush it but a lot of these creatures go back to ancient times of people seeing them or things similar to them and there's got to be some truth behind it i mean there just has right. to be so yeah 100 believe in a lot of this stuff is possible that's why that's why i like to say i'm agnostic i don't like to say i'm an atheist because I just don't want, I can't believe there's nothing out there. I mean, there's got to be something. I mean, I don't know if it's a big capital G God or if it's uh, Zeus or Odin or who knows. I mean, Ra, I mean, God, like I can go on. I mean, there's so many different gods out there throughout time and 
there's so many stories about them that some of them had to exist. Some of them had yeah. to, whether they're gods or aliens, who the hell knows? In my heart, you know, I, I, I know God. And in my beliefs, I am so very concrete. And I feel like once you come to know God, once you do know he exists and he becomes a part of you and then it comes into your life, it's so tangible. And all of a sudden it's like, how does, how do people not know he's there? But I, I understand when you don't know and you don't believe or, or you're not sure, there are so many different forms of belief and religion and spirituality. And uh, I mean, even people who look at the idea of, um, you know, alien races and uh, there's different theories and conspiracy theories about how they first came to earth and where they came from or where earthlings came from. I mean, it just, it's almost an endless number of ideas that may always be unprovable, but that doesn't stop people from trying to figure it out. Yeah, I liked how you, I liked how you explained the dinosaur era in your book too. Just, thank you. That is, thank you. No one even mentions that ever, and I love that explanation. I actually believe in that explanation. I it's mean, my theory. It's just a theory. It's, there's no proof behind it, but it's my theory, and I love it. Uh, would you like me to explain it a little bit? If you want to give it away be my guest okay. but I mean I don't want to make you, I won't touch things, on you know. it too much but uh, I've always thought that um you know in the beginning of the book beginning of the bible we read you know in the beginning there was a heaven and earth so that means it existed it was solid it was it, it was formed and then in the second sentence it was without form and void so how does something go from being made from existing to having no form or void and then it talks about how God pulled together the waters, he pulled together the earth, and he pulled together, you know, all these things. So that means it was there, it existed, and he began to create the earth out of that. So my theory is this. The earth was made billions of years ago. We know this. We know it has existed for a lot longer than, you know, if you were to think that God time began with the Bible, you know, that's only what, four, five, 6,000 years ago. So we know that the earth is billions of years old. We, we, we know this. So what if God made the earth and he filled it with creatures and dinosaurs and all these different things and all these different uh, um creations and they existed for all these time periods and over the time period we had the crustacean period and the ice age and you know all these different things because we know the earth is always changing well at the same time in heaven god tells how lucifer his most precious angel was basically one day he decided he was just as smart or as good as god and he tried to take over and god did not like this and there was the big battle and he kicked him out and he became satan here on earth so what if when God kicked him out of heaven, he was so angry and so riled at God for doing that, that he basically threw a temper tantrum and destroyed everything God had made. So he destroyed the entire earth and suddenly the earth was without form and void. And then in the Bible, God pulls it together again. He reforms the earth and Satan is already there on earth. We know that because he comes to Adam and Eve in the form of a snake. So what if that is what happened? And that accounts for the time period, the age of the dinosaurs, and how God reformed man in his own image and started fresh and new. And by image, I think it doesn't just mean physical, it meant mental. God wanted somebody to talk to, someone that he could converse with that, wasn't, uh, that was more um, mature and, you know, that had, um, there's a word I'm looking for and I'm so tired, it's been a long day. Uh, 
uh, what do you call it, over time when you, like the dinosaurs uh, evolution or whatever you might call it, over time, uh, all these different things have had a chance to be here and live. And then once those were gone, God created mankind in his own image, someone that he could talk to and be friends with. And uh, I don't know, I, like you said, I liked that idea. I always have because it puts the correct timeline into in sequence. It makes everything make sense, both the biblical side and those who don't believe in the biblical side. I very firmly believe there was a big bang. I very much do, but I think it was God who said, boom, you know, he set that big bang off, you know, and there's just too many things that are so precise. Um, I mean, there's an episode of Sheldon, young Sheldon, where he talks about how if the earth was just one centimeter too closer, or, you know, farther away from the sun, we would burn up or we would freeze, you know, but it's that perfection that makes him give him pause what if there is a creator at least gives you the idea of there could be a creator because it's so delicate so perfect every you know life and the, the circle of life well everything depends on the next thing you remove one sequence of that and everything crumbles you know and so i think it kind of gives you that idea of um I, I think both exist hand in hand it's not one or the other it's both yeah i mean i could definitely agree with a lot of that too I mean, when you, whenever people say God created the Big Bang, I just think about that uh, episode of Family Guy where Peter's telling like Bible stories and God farting when he's having a beer trucking contest is what makes the Big Bang happen. Uh, like, that's uh, just what my mind goes to when I hear that. And it just makes me laugh, which is why I was laughing when you said that. Yeah. But I mean, and then but, there's the episode where Stewie gets in the time machine and they go so far, so far back in time that he realizes he actually created the Big Bang by before because he went back in time, like the whole time loop kind of phenomenon. Yeah, they, they did a similar thing on Futurama too. But I mean, yeah, they did. They, they, they touch a lot of that on different shows. But. but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, that's why I can't be atheist because I mean, there are so many things on this earth that are just unexplained that it there has to be something to believe in there there just does i mean i don't know what it is and i don't even want it to, as i always tell my girlfriend and my mom and everybody else in the world if they ask until i see evidence or i'll believe in a big capital g god if him or an angel of his actually appears in front of me and talks to me that or talks to me in some form or way where i know it's him without a doubt and not some demon trying to get in my head that's where faith comes into play i can't have faith in things i don't i'm a i'm a scientific minded person i have to I see it. to believe I get it but I, mean, I i feel it i believe it and to me it's just as proof just as solid in my mind as the scientific evidence is i mean i mean i i've met pastors that my my brother was born again christian after college and like i met his pastor and i've met other pastors before too who can they can talk to you in a way where they make you feel like you have like you feel like there's a god there or something or something influencing your mind but at the end of it you're just like was it really there or were they just saying certain things that make you think it's there like and they and invoke certain like euphoria in your mind like i well, don't never stop questioning never stop uh trying to believe i mean that's basically why i do but i just keep questioning everything and that just leads to more rabbit holes and more black holes i mean it's just endless 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 but but yes yeah, the book the book is phenomenal i 
can't stop raving about it because i mean i seriously told my girlfriend like i you need to read this book you need to read this book which she oh, i love it she can't read kindle books because just her eyes can't handle it but i'm like we'll find a way to get one i'm like i'll buy one if i have to i don't freaking i'll buy another one if i have to i don't care it's worth it i mean that would be awesome an autographed copy i never would mind either but <laughs> i could do that i could do that yeah because i could see this if i see this becoming big someday and i want to say i have autographed copy of the first book and that i talked to this author before she even got big if you're the that next wonderful i'd love it if you're the next jk rowling i, I want to be on board uh, i just gotta get that right agent out there to pick this book up and get behind it well i mean i definitely gonna be sharing the hell out of this podcast and making sure everybody knows about it so that's that definitely is going to happen so i'm looking forward to that 100 percent. but is there anything else you want to say about the book before we move on to the creature feature segment um if anybody uh, if when everybody reads it i would love go. to hear from you uh, call, uh i've got my email stuff in the book but you can find me at brandyalexanderbooks.com that's my website um, you can leave, uh, if you would please leave a review for me, wherever you purchased it at. And it's available, of course, on Amazon. They fill it on sale all the time, uh, up and down with the price. Uh, but they also have it, you know, anywhere you buy books, Barnes and Noble, uh, Walmart.com. It was a Target, uh, Goodreads. Uh, it's all over the place. Type my name in, you'll find it. Um, but yeah, I would love to hear from people. That's what gets me excited is to get feedback and to see what people think about it. And uh, absolutely, please, please call me, talk to me. And again, if I've got somebody out there who wants to get behind this, who does PR work or who works with an agent, I would love to hear from you. I mean, I, yeah, I, it definitely needs to get a good agent. I wish I knew people in the book industry at all. I don't anymore. I think I did at one point, actually, just from random random occurrences but i just don't think i know them anymore or if i did if i did i don't remember who the hell they are but i wish i wish if i had a freaking hell whoever the hell i mean this is a this could be marketed as a young adult book series and would sell like crazy off the shelves or on kindle it just would i mean i can't even see a video yeah, it's one of those books i feel like you can read it from a young adult all the way up through old age like girls boys it, it suits just about everybody i mean honestly if i was you and you might have already thought this i don't know but i would try to get church groups to give it out to their youth group like have them give it to their youth groups and have them like because it, it will express a lot of the things that they believe in so it would be a yeah I've gotten a chance to be on a few Christian podcasts and it's kind of cool to do, look at it from that angle. When I first started writing this, you know, I didn't set off to write a Christian novel. It wasn't what it was about. It was just a fictional story. It had ghosts and it had angels and it had demons and it was just supposed to have been a fun story. But it, uh, like I said earlier, it's hard to write about those things without your face seeping in. And so, you know, that does become a part of it. And it's written from that Christian point of view, from that standpoint, but it's not written to preach at people or you know to, to try to teach them some big life lesson it's just this amazing story about a guy who can see all this world and how he interacts with it and how he himself learns who god is and and how powerful that he can be when he is on your side yeah i 100 percent agree with that and it's just an amazing 
it's an amazing story and whether you're a christian or not you can enjoy it as as i've said multiple times i'm not a christian i was brought up christian but i'm not a christian anymore and i don't identify as one because that would besmirch the name christian if i identify as one as i'm sure because mm-hmm. my family's always surprised on holidays like by stepping foot into a church not it doesn't burst into flames but <laughs> but yeah. i mean it's just i it's enjoyable it can be enjoyed by anybody of any faith in my mind and if you if you if you can't see past your own faith to, to enjoy the story then that's a you problem that's not a that's not a problem with the book yeah yeah that's that's great that's exactly it i wanted it to be someone that no matter who you were you could find a connection with it and i just i can't wait to see where this series goes and i just i look forward to reading the future ones and well, we, if you hear anybody who's read it please let me know what they think Oh, I definitely will once I actually start getting it out there and have people come back to me and say, "Oh my God, this book's good!" Like, and I can't you, wait. You told them where to. You told them where to hit you up. I mean, I'm sure you can get. I'm sure they'll be blasting you up on Twitter saying it's amazing and whatnot. Which actually, make sure you add me on Twitter so I can tag you in this when I do. Yes, I can. Uh, you'll find me at Brandy Alexander Books at Twitter. Brandy Alexander Books at um, uh, y'all. No, sorry, I said the Oregon already said that a while ago at um dot com but see um oh facebook as well facebook as well i'm trying to get an instagram started but i am not tech savvy and i just took a look at it for the first time the other day and i haven't sat back down yet to exactly figure that one out <laughs> yeah instagram's pretty easy i just set mine up not too long ago when i started podcasting but all right well we're gonna wrap up the book sec book section of this uh episode as much as i could talk about this book all day but I don't want to give too much away to the listeners. So we're going to move on to Jeremy's Creature Features, which is, all right. I'm hoping soon to be a very big thing where maybe it could be its own podcast. Babe. You need to get you some theme music. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, there is actually theme music in the beginning of the show, but I just don't. Just some Creature Feature theme music. Whenever it starts, you have to have that little segment. Uh, I know a few rappers that could maybe get something made up, but... <laughs> I actually did, but, uh, <laughs> but all right. Uh, as far as the creature feature goes, let's see. Mm, well, I got to start with the obvious one, which is, which I think kind of goes into your theory of your theory of the dinosaurs. I think this mm-hmm. kind of like, maybe some of these are left behind from that time. But where do you think Bigfoots and Sasquatches go into all this? Um, I actually think that the possibility of them being out there is, is quite real. I mean, we are constantly discovering something every single day on this planet that we did not know existed the day before. So, um, you know, if they're an intelligent species and they're able to hide themselves, and there's probably not a lot of them. Um, you know, the question is always like, you know, why haven't we found one along the way or found the skeletal remains of one? But if they're intelligent, then they know where to hide and how to keep hidden. Um, Nowadays, with video cameras becoming so prevalent everywhere you go, there's, you know, these shows coming on television, Paranormal Caught on Camera, and it's one of my favorites, actually. But, you know, you see um, from the uh, aliens to the ghosts to the possibility of angels, uh, as well as all these different cryptids, cryptids, I always say it wrong. Cryptids, Uh, you got it right. Okay. there's just so many possibilities out there. And sometimes you see them and you're thinking, ah, oh, that could have been faked down. Oh, that could have been pre-planned. But, <coughs> pardon me. <coughs> but sometimes you see these videos and it's like, no, that was just a surveillance camera. 
you know, or that was some people doing something completely different and you can see it in the background, you know. So I don't know. There are times when I see these things and you really have to question if this were beat to be faked, how would they have done that? Because it does not seem to have been faked. And so, yeah, you, you got to keep your mind open to the possibility that they exist. I mean, okay, well, I can't, I'm not going to go into my whole diatribe here about Sasquatches because I, I try to throw a little bit in each show because, I mean, I always hit Bigfoot as usually the first or second in this creature feature. But I've gone into before and on the last episode or episode before and why skeletons aren't found. I'm not going to go into that route again because yeah, there's a lot of stories about that that actually right. well, are always the theories. But I mean, the one thing I will go into that I didn't agree with what you said is you. I there is a large population of them. There has to be just because they are basically kind of worldwide, maybe not in certain parts of the world because of obvious reasons, but they are mainly worldwide and and they show up all over the place different they, forests and areas and remote arctic areas i mean native americans and native people from a lot of countries have seen these creatures since i mean australia uh what do you call them i can't think of the australian native name i'm slipping on that but but yeah i mean they've seen them on australia north america south america russia Ru russia i mean and even in the Himalayas and Tibet, I mean, they're, they're all through ancient times, there's cave drawings of these creatures. Native Americans passed down stories of dealing with hairy men tribes that could speak to them and actually communicate like the farther. I, I, I don't think they've reached like millions and millions populating the earth. I, I think they stay in small tribal areas if they exist. They have families probably that they travel with. And I imagine that they do have areas that are so remote that we can't get to them. We don't even know those areas exist, uh, hidden places that uh, we can't even get to. But um, yeah, I do. I, I think that there's definitely a possibility that they exist. Well, that's 100% where like the Yetis come in. And because I hate the word, I hate, as I've said before in the show, I hate the word abominable snowman. I think it just is a stupid name. I just think it's cute. I think it's a cute way of saying Yeah, Yeti. I mean, it's cute if you think of like Rudolph red-nosed reindeer cartoon and like the freaking abominable snowman on that yeah you ever go to monsters inc when they get locked out with the abominable snowman and yep. they have to get back inside yes yeah i mean abominable snowman i just don't like the name of i mean yeti just sounds more real i mean and they've proven to this day that there are five that the tibetan type i think i'm saying that right people have five different types of yetis they believe exist and only yeah. one, and only one of them has been proven to be uh, a species of ape that we didn't know existed before, yeah. or not 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 ape. I'm sorry, a, a species of bear that we didn't know exist mm -hmm. before that lives in those mountains. But I mean, just there's, and they, I do, I do believe they live in small gatherings. I think it's they, I think they live with their parents until they're old enough to leave the nest or however you want to put it, and they go out, and that's when you see solo Bigfoot things are happening because i've heard stories too i mean speaking of paranormal quantum camera shout out to derek hayes on monsters among us podcast who's on that who's on paranormal quantum camera oh wow because he actually he actually did uh have someone call into his podcast with a story about getting knocked down in the woods and while hunting and having a female bigfoot breastfeed him while he was injured and oh my it, goodness. and 
and that's and, crazy. end up hearing a male bigfoot in the background he believed at the same time so i mean they definitely do roman packs and i mean i've heard his story multiple times on the podcast now because it's a one of the most famous ones and and he even said that he thinks that the milk had some healing properties that humans don't know about i wouldn't be surprised if they yeah i mean we all i don't know there's just so many things about this world that we don't know we think we know so much and you know and that's just in our physical world not including like what's underwater what's in outer space just in our world here this the unknown yep and the guy who's told that story his name who, who, who story that is his name is mac mac if you ever hear this podcast i swear to god i would love to get you on to talk about that is you are one of the guests i am hoping been hoping for since i started this podcast and i hope you actually hear this someday so you can get on here because your story needs to be told in more detail and you need to there's a thousand questions that need to be answered but moving on from that okay uh yeah i mean I can go on about Bigfoot for hours, but I, I can't because then we'll never get anywhere else. And that tends to happen with this sec- section. <laughs> um, so we already talked ghost spirits, obviously. We already talked angels and demons. We don't need to revamp all that. And we talked aliens enough. But do, the only thing I have to ask about aliens to you is, do you believe that, alien, that what people believe are aliens are actually angels or some kind of heavenly being? Uh, no, actually, I believe they would be aliens. Um, I think it's kind of uh, selfish to think that, you know, I believe God and that in all the worlds he's created and all these planets that go on for, you know, light years and light years and light years and billions and billions and billions that we're the only one that has intelligent life. I think that that's ridiculous. Um, now, I don't know how that plays when it comes to the idea of Christianity and Christ and, you know, if that's an earthly thing or or what. And it's not up to me to say. But I do believe um, there's just too many encounters. I mean, you look back between people from Africa and South America and, and North America and, you know, all over Europe, uh, cave drawings uh, of the exact same thing. We have pyramids all over the earth. You know, now they're finding them under the water. Uh, there's just encounter after encounter after encounter. And again, now that we have cameras everywhere, we always have these videos coming out of, and it's not just like a tiny little dot moving in the sky, but you can see what it is. You can see what it looks like and you know how it's moving and all these, it's almost, I read and watched a lot of stuff on television and I have a theory. I don't know if it's true, but it's a theory. Uh, what if there were many, many different planets with many, many different races of aliens and we know earth is a relatively new planet. So what if over time, all these different alien civilizations have sort of bonded together to create, let's just say kind of like guardians of the galaxy, you know, all these different people from different races and different planets all working together in one unit, uh, like protecting each other. Uh, as a matter of fact, there was something the other day on a sign. it seems impossible it's like there's a 10,000 different galaxies that have been smashed together into one spot in the universe and they don't understand why they would all be compacted there and I've got to thinking well what if because they they have the ability to use black holes and move around what if when a uh, planet becomes let's call it for lack of a better word woke 
to the fact that there are other planets and other alien creatures what if at that point they've become awake enough to join the the union or the federation or whatever you want to call it and all of these planets are our solar systems or galaxies are being moved together so that they are all protecting each other all in one spot and so meanwhile they've been watching earth for millions of years you know watching us develop from very early on all the way till now and they've sort of visited us throughout time they've shown us things maybe our technology has taken bumps i mean look at the fact that we were supposedly visited in the 40s and then suddenly we have a, a space program 20 years later you know, our technology just exploded at that point. And, you know, to go from building an airplane and flying for the first time to landing on the moon in less than 70 years, that's insane if you think about it. Um, and so, you know, I don't know how much we've been in contact. I mean, who knows, maybe our president's very well aware of what's going on. We just recently had all these different countries come forward and say, hey, there really are some unexplained objects happening in our sky. We're admitting this now. So it's kind of like a little bit at a time keeps the people from going into shock. You know, you just, you, you seep it out there. You put it on television. You have paranormal shows. The president announces that these actually are in, that we're, you know, unexplained objects. Eventually people will get so jaded to it that when they finally say, hey, guess what? There's aliens and they're here and they've been here that we're not going to freak out as quickly as we would have if they just suddenly appeared out of nowhere and we had no clue they were there. Um, it's, it's like they've been preparing for us to become wake and awoke enough, awake enough to understand that they exist and to understand what that future technology is about. I don't know. It's just a theory, but it's a lot of different theories and I'd like to think about it. It's fun. Oh, it is a hundred percent. It's fun. I mean, yeah, there are, thousands and thousands of theories about aliens and you could talk about them for weeks straight and i mean that we'll never know the answer until we know the answer i mean it's just the way it is i mean yeah. but like stephen hawking even says like why do we want to like encourage aliens to come to because as he said they're going to destroy us if they come probably because they're going to be superior by far with technology and it's going to be a war of the world situation, possibly, or something like, like that. Like, if they were going to destroy us, they would have done it already. They, we had, they had the time, the ample opportunity. We have been here forever. They've been there longer than we have because they're that far advanced. So I think they're curious. I think every time there's another civilization, they're here to watch us and to test us and to see what we're doing and how are we doing it. And, you know, they're waiting for us to reach a point of uh, knowledge where we're able to accept them and understand so that we can be a part of them. I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm not saying there's not bad guy ones out there because hey, if they're out there to protect us and that means they're protecting us from something. So maybe there's different sides. Maybe the idea of Star Wars and the, the good guys and the bad guys, the galactic and the, you know, the Republic and the, all of that is kind of in a way sort of true, you know, who knows, who knows? Well, I mean, in Marvel comics, there was always this storyline that all the different alien races meet and spit meet on one of the home planets and they say earth is a backwards dirt planet and that we don't want to they all agree basically that we will not touch earth until they get to a certain point where they could interfere with our lives and destroy our lives i mean right of course that we're, time to, we're young we're, we're just little babies compared to them i mean of course they do have interaction with different earth superheroes and whatnot 
throughout the years. But I mean, there has been evasions in Marvel Comics since then because humans start going to space and Fantastic Four, and even and I mean, they yeah. go they go to space and screw everything up like as always because humans are flawed in many ways. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, aliens are. For God, I could do a whole separate show on Bigfoot, a whole separate show on aliens, and just talk about them for hours. But moving on, because actually this one's the one I did. Well, we kind of brought this up earlier, but I want to kind of. What do you think the Moth Man or Moth Men that people have seen in Chicago, Chernobyl, and just a bunch of different places all over the world have seen? China, I believe, too. I mean, I haven't read or seen a whole lot about it. I know who you're referring to or what you're referring to. Um, I guess just based on the what little I have seen, if I had to classify it, it seemed almost like demonic, like a shadow of something, you know, something that is uh, not a spirit, but it's not of this world either. So, um, if, you know, wild guess, and again, if I studied it more, if I saw more about it, I might have a different theory or a different idea. But just the idea from what I've seen, I mean, if you remember back in like the 80s and 90s and the uh, Inquisitor, you know, all those magazines you would get at the checkout counter, they would have stuff in there about the Mothman, you know, and so I, sometimes I don't know if it's stories that people like to tell because it's fun to tell a scary story or if it is based on things that people have seen. And if so, if it was real, you know, would it be a demonic entity? Would it be this like shadow creature kind of thing? So I don't know. There's a lot of lot of theories behind these creatures, but I don't want to ever discount anything really fully. Not completely anyway. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you just can't. I mean, the whole Mothman thing, I mean, I mean, actually, it lines up kind of perfectly in your book because the way you describe the demons reminded me of Mothman, like 100%. Like, it reminded me of all the, what all the reports of Mothman in the 70s and 60s war Mm -hmm. and like what people were seeing or Chernobyl like the same exact description as the demons in your book and I was like ooh, that's why I had to ask like if eventually you might explain that or maybe do a flashback in one of the books to 1970s Chicago bridge collapsing on Christmas oh yeah that'd be kind of cool huh I didn't even give him that much of the thought uh you do find out more in the sequel about how the demons became demons how they went from being angels to being demons oh I mean Anybody who's read the Bible kind of knows how that happened, but <laughs> it, it goes into a little bit more detail about uh, uh, the sequence of, of, of basically of how how what happened happened. Oh, so kind of kind of like how a Jedi turns into a Sith. I could kind of dove into um, in the oh, excuse me in the uh, first book I mentioned these three tombs these three books that were supposedly written by the angels themselves that sort of like uh, God's little instruction books you know or God's little history books and so in the second book uh, they actually actually go into those tombs and we start to look at them more and we find out more about each of them yeah I mean yeah I do remember that part of the book and very clearly and yeah I I mean I love that idea of like instruction books from God that like supernatural had the tablets like every every good book that has to deal with god and heaven and hell and all that there's i mean even in even in uh evil dead they had the necronomicon and stuff like that uh, yeah. i love bruce campbell we actually on, our, on my other show bracket bastards we actually just did a horror franchise and horror comedy brackets and of course evil dead's in both of those have you ever heard the bruce campbell song by psycho stick it's an homage to bruce campbell 
I can't say I ever heard of it, but now I'm going to have to Google it yes, eventually. Psycho Stick is a crazy band. They sing all kinds of stuff. They, they do like a heavy metal version of the alphabet and a heavy metal version of the hokey pokey. A lot of cuss words. You don't yeah. want to play at a kid's kid's birthday party. But uh, yeah, they're, they're hilarious. And they do an entire homage to Bruce Campbell. Hmm. I will definitely have to look that, into that later. 100%. <laughs> yeah, look them up. They're great. And I like yeah, dirty kid songs. I mean, I've heard Corn do some of those, so I definitely do like those. But oh, um, you'll, you'll like a stick. All right. This next, I mean, okay. So these are usually two different categories, but I'm gonna combine them all into one just to kind of see because okay. I want to see a how it stands in your idea of how the world was created, and two, I want to see if there's ever a chance that you'll go into this in your book. Okay. Books, I should say, but it's gonna be mer people slash water monsters such as Loch Ness monster champ ogopogo i mean the list goes on forever but um i think things like the Loch Ness monster uh there are some photos then you know there's the old original photos but nowadays there's been a lot more kind of coming out different different ponds especially around the uh, uh europe in that area. I think that the possibility that they're out there definitely exists. Uh, we've even seen some like up in like Michigan, you know, there's been photos of things up in that vicinity. So to, uh, I think that there are, I mean, we know now that there is a um, squid, giant squid. We know it exists, yet you go back in time just 30 years or so, and it was just a figment of people's imagination. You know, they made that up on boat ships, shipping boats hundreds of years ago. No, they existed. Uh, but they have stayed down below where we are at for so long. So what else is out there? I mean, there could be anything out there. So I definitely think that those could exist. Um, it would be great if like the giant squid, we had some proof, you know, we've, we've started finding suction, uh, suction cup holes on the sides of whales that were the size of dinner plates. And then we had tentacles that washed up on shore. And then eventually, you know, we caught them on camera. Um, but uh well mermaid... technically we've we've had both of those things happen what's that we've had proof of like of tentacle marks on dead whales or dead sharks yeah. and that's what we've... i was saying that's actually <clears throat> pardon me uh so yeah we, we had proof you know for a long time it was little pieces of proof and then finally we got the whole thing so um i think this others could be out there <clears throat> and, oh now, yeah I you were, you were talking about squids. I'm sorry. I, I was jumping to like sea monsters right away. But, but okay, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, we could. I mean, there have been bodies of creatures that have washed up on beaches all over the world. And people take pictures of them and no one has any idea what the freak they are. But then the government steps in and they disappear. And, yeah, that's what it always is. And they try to say, oh, it's a, a diseased sperm whale or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, okay, there was a rumor, of course, when uh, Barnum and Bailey first started the circus that they had a uh, actual mermaid. It was dried, you know, it was like mummified, but yeah. they actually had one and it stayed with them for a long time. And it was supposedly checked out by scientists and all this. And then there was a fire that burned the building and it was gone. Um, you know, and since then, there's been a lot of photographs people have taken. Uh, they did that TV show for a while and then it came out that a lot of that was faked and they did it just for the TV show. And so, you know, and then when they do that, I think it makes people start to stop believing because it's like, oh, everyone keeps saying they faked it and they faked it. So now I don't know what to believe. 
believe. Um, but there are some videos and things that I've seen that do make you wonder again, you know, how much trouble would you have to go through for this to be a fake? This was really well done, you know, otherwise. Um, and sometimes you see things and you're like, okay, why would that person be filming that unless it was set up? Nobody would be filming that. Uh, but then there are times when you see things and it's like, okay, this could very much totally be very real because no, no, they would have no reason to fake this, you know. So um, I like to keep my options open. I, I like the, the creativity, the creative side of me, the imaginative side of me, the part that loves to write and to read and to see all these movies. That part of me is definitely a believer. I want to believe because it's fun to believe. Oof, Fox Mother call, call, call back right there. Love it. <laughs> but... <laughs> And actually, the original name of this segment was going to be called What Do You Want to Believe? But I thought Creature Feature sounded better. So I went with that because the other one's kind of wordy and a little catchy. Yeah. But um, all right. Um, And I know. OK, so you said you're not going to put vampires and werewolves in your book, which we're not going to go into vampires because that's a topic that's just been I think it's overkill, too, at this point. Yep. So let's just do one last creature and then we'll call it a day here. So okay. what do you think of, and I don't like to call them werewolves because that's me, that's not a lichen. Dogmen. Oh, dogmen. I thought you were gonna go with lichen. No, um, I do like I do lichen lichen, but <laughs> <laughs> um I again, you know, anything's real. I don't know if I so much believe in I, I think there are types of paranormals that uh it's the imagination, you know, we, we, we want to believe. And so we created these imaginations and a lot of the stuff that was formed, uh, the ideas like behind vampires and things came hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And back then too, there was a lot less scientific proof of anything and people's imaginations filled in the gaps, you know, when they didn't understand something or when something seemed, you know, like the, the idea of people, uh, when they would put bells onto the dead, when they buried them, and, you know, they thought they were turning into vampires. They just weren't dead yet. You know, um, but the, the things like that, they began to fill in the holes and make up stories and create things that help them make sense out of the unexplainable. And a lot of those stories stuck around and we still hold on to those today and we use those to create imaginative worlds. Uh, sometimes I think it could be based on some element of truth. And sometimes it just might be someone's figment with their imagination that got a hold of them and they went too far with it. Um, but uh yeah i mean i just i i never really want to discount anything completely well i'm just gonna leave you at this because i'm not gonna go into my full rant on dogman but i would advise you to look into the beast of bray road the land between the lakes creature mm -hmm. in michigan actually and last thing is look google sometime dogman sightings because one of the first pop-ups you'll see is a map of the united states with stories of people having encounters with dogmen okay. and it might make you a believer hundred percent. Have you seen the film from Skinwalker Ranch uh, that looks like the, the guy who's, you know, turning from like, a looks like a black leopard into a human being. And it's like, you see it literally go from him climbing the mountain like a leopard and then he stands up and it becomes a human almost. It, it was a really cool video. It was shot from a distance, but you could see it down in the ridge of the mountain. It was on Skinwalker Ranch. So that was also one of those kind of moments that I it made me think before about, you know, people who can change shape 
you just never know. Well, I mean, okay, skinwalkers are a whole nother category completely, but which I went into a little bit of my first episode of the show, but I will remember that for next time you come on the show, though, and that will be one of the ones we choose that time. That's for sure. But we are hitting our two hour mark and I, yeah. I don't want to keep our listeners having to listen to a podcast forever. I'm not Kevin Smith. I can't do that. So I will say thank you so much for coming on. I look entirely forward to reading the rest of your book series as they come out. And I look forward to having you on the show again for our listeners. You already know where you can find her. She said it multiple times in the show, so I'm not going to repeat it. You can rewind if you want to hear it again. <laughs> Just Google my name and book Genesis and it will pop up. And as always, you can find me at Juggalo Bastard on Twitter and Instagram and as Jeremy Bryant on Facebook. And yes, the group page for this podcast will be starting soon. I'm working on it. But other than that, you can find me at those social links and you can also find me on Bracket Bastards podcast, pop culture comedy tournament broadcast, but podcast basically. And it's fun. You'll enjoy that too if you like to laugh. Not minivan friendly, though, we do say that. So um, once again, my guest has been Brandy Alexander, author of Genesis. And I'm not even going to try to re- say the subtitle again, but author of Genesis and the soon to come Genesis series, which I cannot wait to read. We're going to call it the Paranormal Alliance series. I like that. I like that. Definitely a good name. So thank you, Brandy, for coming on. It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And I really, really hope to talk to you again in the future. Oh, I've loved it. This has been a blast. Thank you so much. I can't wait to come back and uh, happy reading. And with that, listeners, we'll see you on the Beyond the Fray once again.